this is the On Humans podcast with your host Ilari Mäkelä. And I am excited to announce that the season two is very close to its launch. It will be out on the 17th of June. But that leaves space for one or two highlights from the first season. This one is from episode 18 with economic history and Brad DeLong. DeLong is the author of Slouching Towards Utopia, the economic history of the long 20th century. That book contains a lot of interesting stuff, uh, but a lot of our discussion with DeLong focused on his claim that 1870 was a kind of watershed moment for humanity at large, a moment when modern corporation and industrial research lab made invention of new technology something of a, of a standardized, routinized part of everyday life. It was something that he claims allowed lonely geniuses like Nikolai Tesla to have a team around him for the first time a team which would ensure that his lack of uh, managerial and social skills would not be a hindrance to technological invention. Tesla would invent, and George Westinghouse and the rest would execute, produce, and distribute. Humans had, for the first time, properly invented inventing. And with this, the world started its long escape from poverty, first in the West, then in the rest of the world. Now, this is all very fascinating, but there was a particularly interesting moment in the discussion where DeLong argues that this really became a problem for Marxism in general. Because Marxism was explicitly based on the economic model of the early 1800s, the steam power economy. But before jumping straight into the issues with Marxism later on, we start by discussing DeLong's claim that there was a lot of truth in Marxism and Engels's thoughts, and that in order to be rich before 1870s, the pretty much only way was to run what he calls an extraction and exploitation machine. So here is, one more time, Brad DeLong. I've heard you say that before 1870, most people didn't get rich. Most people lived somewhere close to the poverty line. And if you did want to be rich, the only way to do it was to run an extraction and an exploitation machine. Why? Well, how else, right? Um, maybe if you have a better idea for a water pump, you can build one for yourself. But if it really is that much better a water pump, other people will look at it and will immediately copy it. And so you won't be able to sell your services as a water pumper and as a maker of water pump for very much. And in addition, if you do start a very profitable, you know, commercial industrial enterprise using some kind of trade secrets for you know how to make textiles actually better than anyone else in the neighborhood, well, you then become a very soft target. You know, in a world in which your property rights are very entangled with jurisdiction in the sense that the rich are usually the judges, you know, as well. Hmm. Um, so when Marx writes in mid, mid 1800s that capitalism is an ex extraction exploitation machine, yes. would you say that he's yes. kind of right about the, the capitalism of the time? Yes, you know, I mean, property is theft. When Proudhon said it was very close to being true, right? That how would any individual truly manage without having their hooks into what is basically a force and fraud exploitation and domination regime in which thugs with spears collect taxes from the peasants and in return offer nothing useful except possibly protection from the next group of thugs with spears miles away. And in which the thugs with spears have their tame accountants, bureaucrats, and propagandists um, there to explain that this is how much you owe them. And if you don't pay all your taxes 
next year, you are then in a social gift exchange position of obligation you know, to the local Lord because he has done you a favor in not collecting all the taxes that are due. Um, plus, backed up by the idea that Gilgamesh, king of Uruk, deserves to be king because he's two-thirds god and one-third man. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And propagandists are eager to tell you this as many times as possible. Um, and people like Westinghouse are able to not run an exploitation extraction machine, but get rich by investing in inventions that will help everyone. Is that right? Yes. And do you know you could get rich through mercantile adventures before, but those always had a quasi-military edge. You know, at the very least, you need caravan guards and lots of and nasty caravan guards to get through, even if the principal purpose of the thing is mercantile. Um, medieval European monks, when they describe merchants, often describe them as homines duri, as tough men, tough guys. Uh, precisely because they move from place to place carrying valuable goods in an environment of very uncertain um, law and order and next to no enforcement. Um, and you, they very much have to be the case that every one of their caravans, that every one of their barges is sufficiently well armored that no local bandit or even no local landlord or no, no local prince will think it worthwhile to simply take it, kill them all, and pretend he doesn't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so. I, I do appreciate the picture. I sometimes find it um, frustrating when people just use the term capitalism to describe everything that has happened in the, in the money world for the past, whatever is it, 300, 500 or so. <laughs> Years or, or, or something, yes, and I yes, assume yes. That, that what British and East India Company is doing with guns must be the same thing as what a modern corporation yeah. is doing. And that so is puzzling, right? That, um, that in Friedrich Engels, it was pretty clear. Uh, you had feudalism, and then you moved over the course of 700 years or so to capitalism. And, you know, feudalism taught hierarchy and respect God and stay in your place. And your life is very much like of your grandparents. And, you know, you have obligations to though to everyone else and some of them have obligations to you and society is static. And then Engels said by 1700, we moved to better technologies, craft and mercantile technologies, commercial society. In which you were probably a free person and you had to find a place in a network in a network economy and find someone to buy things from and someone to sell things to usually to sell your labor to and you were an individual with rights who entered into contracts with others and was formally free and so should probably have some say in the government as well um but that somehow the market prices at which you, if you were lower class, could trade were not very advantageous to you and you stayed poor. And, you know, the system told you it was your fault because you weren't sufficiently industrious. But actually, that's not the case. It was that commercial society capitalism was an extraction machine, just like feudalism, but one where the extraction was kind of hidden behind the fiction that we were just trading things when the system had rigged the prices at which they were trading. And then Engels said, here we are now moving into steam power. And it's obvious that production is social. 
you know, that we're all playing an essential role in something much, much bigger than ourselves, which is our collective knowledge and our collective organization. And it is that which is productive and which you know, deserves to own what is produced, since none of us individuals are essential at all for any piece of it. Um, and so since we're all humans together, since we all have this incredibly complicated division of labor, since only the division of labor itself is valuable, um, and since we're all human, well, we should all dress in identical blue denim overalls, call each other comrade, um, and share things equally and have a free society of associated producers where we rotate through the administrative jobs. Because after all, capitalism has simplified the administrative jobs so much that all you have to do to them is know how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, and issue receipts. Um, and that was what Engels said would be the shift from feudalism to capitalism to socialism. And that it would be the form of the technology of the steam power age that would teach people that socialism was the obvious thing to do, just as it was the network commercial trading economy of the capitalist age that had taught people that, you know, market economies and private property were the things to do. The problem is it didn't stop with steam power. You know, the extremely large working industrial working class all doing very similar jobs side by side because you have to work near the steam engine, which is the source of power. You know, that society then dissolved during the second industrial revolution into a much more fragmented and diverse one in which different industrial interests were fighting over the surplus against each other, rather than it being that everyone was a worker subject to the steam engine or a capitalist. And was it more diversified partially because of Tesla and electricity allowing transfer of power? Yes, the coming of these new, of the technologies of, the coming of the oil age, of the electricity age, of the chemicals age, you know, the... Hmm. All of a sudden, it was no longer as obvious to people that they were just one worker among many. They might be skilled workers who were in this particular industry, and so that their principal thing possibly disadvantaging them was not that the bosses were in control, but rather that, that their sector did not get sufficient respect, and in fact, it had a tariff adverse to it imposed on but then from the second industrial revolution economy, we moved on to the mass production economy, which is a different thing too, but which underpinned a great deal of the rise of social democracy. Um, but then the mass production economy was succeeded by the global value chain economy. And now it looks like we're headed into the info biotech economy. And each of these really is a different mode of production. Um, and is one in which the workplace and the way it's organized teaches people different things about how society should and ought to work. Hmm. Um, and calling them all capitalism and saying we really all should be wearing identical blue overalls and sharing things equally and recognizing our common humanity as cogs in the production process. You know, the lessons that Engels said steam power society was teaching and Rose rightly saying steam power society was teaching, you know, to allied all of these things to say steam power, second industrial revolution, mass production, global value chain and info biotech are all just mm. one thing called capitalism causes a great deal of confusion. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, they tried to solve it. People tried to solve it by talking about late capitalism. 
Um, the problem is people started talking about late capitalism in, two, in 1905. <laughs> okay. And by now we're what still later, late, post late, late, later capitalism. So that was a brief segment from episode 18 with Brad DeLong. In the original episode, we continue discussing the same theme. I pressed along a little bit on the ways that extraction and exploitation have, of course, not left the world after 1870. And his answers are very worth hearing. So if you enjoyed this, then please do consider heading to the original episode number 18 and listen to the whole thing. And also do please stay tuned for season two. But until then, take care. <laughs>